0: TK Studios, your home for Eagles football. Touchdown!
1: Sports Radio 94 WIP, a radio.com sports station. Bewitching witching hour midnight here on 94 WIP. Jody Mac roll till 2. It's a TK night. Monday is always our Tommy Kelly be on uh, for the overnight action. Uh, But I've got you for the next two hours, and we will start off these two hours getting some Eagle knowledge uh, coming our way. Uh, You read him on phillyvoice.com. Catch him on si.com as well. His podcast, Extending the Play. uh, You can get where you get your better podcast these days. A good listen for all Eagle fans. John McMullen, good enough to join us here on 94WIP. Jay Mack, how are you?
2: Good. How are you, Jody?
1: Very good. Now, usually when we get you on, it's within 24 or 48 hours of an Eagle game uh, because they played on Thursday night. It's uh, back a little bit. Uh, what do you remember most about that game, or have you tried to wipe it from your memory?
2: Uh, certainly with most NFC games, you try to wipe it from your memory. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, for me, it's it's the turn. And, you know, we're having a completely different discussion if uh, Ingram makes a catch, I mean, that that is exactly what you want from your second-year quarterback to finish a game, to sort of take that next step. And Daniel Jones, nice throw. Uh, Evan Ingram, former first-round pick, doesn't make the catch. And all of a sudden, uh, the Eagles get an opportunity. You have to give Carson Wentz and Boston Scott specifically a ton of credit because that was a great throw, great catch. Um, and the Eagles win the football game, and it's interesting because of what's going on, obviously in Dallas. And uh, um, even though Washington was very impressive against that banged up Dallas team, uh, it looks like the Eagles are at two, four, and one—a prohibitive favorite to win this division.
1: You mentioned is- that. Uh, I'm sorry, I stepped on you. Please finish.
2: No, it's fine. It's just it's historically bad. It's I joke. It's the worst division since motor vehicles. That's how bad it
1: is. <laughs> That's a good line. Never heard it before. I'm gonna steal that one for damn sure. I uh, you mentioned you mentioned the Carson Wentz, uh, Boston Scott play if you were to give both guys a grade on the play from 0 to 10, uh, which we know it's going to be on the north side of that 10 being phenomenal, 0 being what the hell, um, how would you rate those two guys on that one play? Uh,
2: I think they're both of the 10. That's how good that play was. If you look at Carson, I mean, that was his third progression. He was looking for Greg Ward first down the seam and he was bracketed then he he looked off to Travis Fulgham he was bracketed uh and then he he went to his outlet which was sort of Boston Scott releasing late on that wheel route perfect throw and and perfect catch on the back end I I mean it was tremendous coverage tremendous uh almost perfect coverage and uh, Carson laid it over the shoulder and, and Boston's a running back and he's five, six. He's not supposed to be able, uh, to pick the ball out of the air like that. He did. It was just, it was on, on both levels. It was just a great play, uh, an unlikely play. And, and that's how, you know, close that was from being a, a, a great win to being a, a bad loss. Uh, that's, and, and worked, it, it completely turned the Eagles' fortunes around, even though it is in that bad division.
1: Uh, true. And uh, you're talking about a game of inches, inches on Boston Scott's hands, inches inches on Ingram's hands, and that game ends completely differently. And, yes, we're all talking about a different Eagle season. The reason I answered the question was, and, again, maybe I put too much emphasis on social media, but the broadcast did the same thing. They talked about how great a pass it was by Carson Wentz, and don't get me wrong, it was great, but I thought it was actually a more phenomenal catch by Boston Scott. I thought the catch end was slightly better than the pass end, and I know in the NFL it's all about the quarterbacks, and they get all the attention, good, bad, and indifferent, but I actually thought that was one of the more impressive catches I'd seen all year by uh, Boston Scott, and I, I don't know if I would say that was one of the most impressive passes I've ever seen by Carson Wentz.
2: Well, I, I would say that you don't expect it from a running back. If that's a receiver, maybe you say, okay, you know, you see receivers make great catches all the time, but uh, for a guy who's not supposed to be uh, running downfield like that to, uh, to make a catch like that, I, I can see that. To me, from Carson's perspective, even though it was a great throw, the the more impressive part to me was the progression and the fact that, you know, too often this season because a lot of it is because of the offensive line, the issues it's had, it's been one read and go, and it's been a disaster if that first read isn't open. And the fact he was able to look off one receiver, see he wasn't open. Second receiver wasn't open to go to the third receiver. That that was the more impressive part than even the throw for me.
1: And the overall impressive thing for Carson is deficits don't seem to scare him. Uh, Rallied the team again. Yeah, not a great opponent, but needed to rally them two touchdowns to pull out a win, and he did just that, and he should be getting a ton of credit for that. And I'll add this to the mix. I think Doug Peterson's play calling uh, uh, all season long has been well below average, with Doug Peterson and what you can usually expect from him. Uh, he was asked a couple of weeks ago if he would consider sharing or giving up the pay, play calling, and uh, to Doug's credit, he stood his ground and said, no, this is what I do. This is what I am. I'm a play caller. Good for him that he took a hard line stance. Well, now good for him. Get better at it two-point conversions, red zone stuff. I just don't know if I have. they need to have pinpoint perfect passes like the one between Boston Scott and Carson Wentz. He's just not scheming any guys open. Is it fair to critique pretty harshly Doug Peterson's red zone play calling this season?
2: Well, it, it wasn't successful. I'll say this, and I say this all the time, with play calling. People don't judge play calling. They judge results. Uh You know, in, in other words, and, and any coach will tell you play calling is about execution and the fact um you look at the two-point conversion against Baltimore, it looks like a disaster, uh, and, you know, rightfully so, and people criticize it. Who knows if Richard Rogers gets his block? It might not look like a disaster. In other words, the execution wasn't there. And you could have the greatest play call in the history of mankind. You could bring it down from the, from the mount to Bill Walsh and, and man it from Bill Walsh. And, and if the left guard doesn't make a block, it looks like a disaster. So I, I, I've always felt that way. Uh, again, people don't judge play calls. They judge results uh, of plays. And sometimes great players make a bad play call look good, and bad players make a good play call look bad. So I, I think overall you, you can judge certain aspects of a play. If you look at the Hakeem Butler two-point conversion that failed, for instance, Look, he, he, he went the wrong way. He he didn't even know where to line up. So I think it's fair to criticize Doug Peterson at that point and say, you know what, this is not going to work, whether i got to call timeout, do something different. I think that kind of stuff is fair. Um, but it, the other stuff, I, I mean, and I, I think this week's opponent is a perfect example of this, Jody, and the fact that the Dallas Cowboys, Anybody who watched them, are, they're such a disaster offensively. And part of it is obviously losing your starting quarterback. But they have been eerily reminiscent of the Eagles on the offensive line. There's no Travis Frederick. He's retired. Zach Martin was hurt. Teron Smith's out for the year. Lyle Collins is out. Eighty percent of their offensive line is gone. And that's what happened to the Eagles. And when you can't block, you're not going to fuck up as a play caller. It's as simple as that.
1: Fair enough. Um, but if you're going to say it's all about execution, then we wouldn't uh, revere a guy like Bill Walsh and his offensive system. No, he just got a bunch of good players who executed his system. So, uh, yes, I readily admit that we analyze results after the fact, but – that's what it is. That's the business that it is. You have oh, to no take question. what you have. It's just, if it's, it's lesser, it's if, kind it's kind reserves, of if it's reserves, if it's secondary guys – You have to figure out a way to get them to be able to make plays. And uh, I don't think Doug Peterson has done a good job of that this year. I'm not calling for his head on a platter, but I'm just saying he has been better. Yes, there are some compromise reasons for it, but uh, I still think Dougie P could do a better job. All right, you mentioned the Cowboys and their bad offense. And that's the upside of the team. Because as bad as their offense is, without their offensive line, without their quarterback down to Ben DiNucci this week, it's still better than their defense, who is just god-awful Swiss cheese. Is this the recipe that the, the Eagles need? Because they're, they're, their offense is winning games and coming from behind. and But they haven't had a blowout offensive performance yet this year. Can they do it against the worst defense in the National Football League?
2: Yeah, I I don't see what not why not. I I think it's interesting with the Cowboys. I think you hit the nail on the head. I can explain why they stink offensively. I think it's an easy explanation. I just gave it. They don't have their quarterback and they don't have 80% of their offensive line, what it was once projected as. I think that's easily explainable. And I know Mike McCarthy's getting a ton of criticism. I can't explain why they're so bad defensively. There's no way they should be that bad defensively. They they have DeMarcus Lawrence. Um, they brought in Everson Griffin. You know, Alden Smith hasn't played for a while, but they think he's he, he's still a good player. Jalen Smith is a good linebacker. Leighton Vander Esch is back. Uh, the secondary's never been the strength, but Xavier Woods, uh, Travon Diggs, Stephon Diggs' brother, Uh Great corner in Alabama. There's there's no way this should be in a historically bad defense from a talent perspective.
0: And Mike Nolan
2: can't stop anything except a Zoom call. I don't know if you saw a Zoom call. <laughs> It is unbelievable how bad that defense is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Eagles have to take advantage of it. And I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. And other than human nature, you know, I, I, do think no matter what, and we got to talk to Fletcher Cox riding the cloud on zoom today, they know what's going on in Dallas. So there is a, a human nature aspect to this to say, who's the quarterback Ben DiNucci? And you got to take that seriously and realize this is an NFL team, but man, they're a mess right now.
1: They are, and they're coming to Philadelphia for a good time for the Eagles. All right. I do want to ask you about the trade deadline. I just uh, had a shorty 10-minute segment before I punched you up stating, uh, uh, here's how I look at the Eagles eight days away from the trade deadline. You always think buy, sell, or hold. I absolutely positively don't want to see them sell. They are in first place. I don't care if they're 2-4-1. I don't care if you say they're only going to win six games. They can win a division at six, nine, one. You can't sell for my money. Buy I would do if it is just the right trade. It's not going to be a blockbuster. It's not going to be anything that's going to help them two years from now. I don't think that kind of trade is out there. People hate hold. Everybody always want fans always want either buy or sell mostly buy but if not buy then you got to sell hold is sometimes the smartest thing to do and that's what I think the Eagles would be best off doing. Give me your thought on what you think the Eagles would be best off doing, and then tell me if you think they're going to do just that.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. It should be hold for a couple of reasons. One, uh, they have salary cap issues moving forward further worsened by COVID-19, the fact that uh, the salary cap is going to go down for the first time in NFL history. So they already knew they were going to have some problems. Now it's going to be significantly worse. Uh, And they've already budgeted the money they have now. uh, They budgeted to roll it over into next year's cap on purpose for that particular reason. So that's number one. They can't bring in a high-profile, big-money player, even on a rental. Just as I said, that money is budgeted already for next year. It's more, it's more, it's not just 2020. It's also about 2021, 2022 for Howie Roseman. If you look back to last year, Gennard Avery, that's the type of player the Eagles would like to trade for. Uh, and by that, I don't mean the position. I mean cost effective rookie deal that maybe is out of, of for whatever reason, uh, his organization has decided they want to move in a different direction. The Eagles maybe liked him in the draft. That type of player that could potentially be a younger player who could help. And that whole buy or sell mentality, you can be both. You could buy and sell. The Eagles would love to get rid of all Sean Jeffrey. Nobody's going to take him. They'd probably love to get rid of Deshaun Jackson at this point, but guess what? He's no injured. No chance. And, yeah, you, you can't trade him. Uh, he's, he's not going to play for the next six to eight weeks. Zach Ertz would love to be out of here, but he's injured. So you can't even do that. Um, and the, the most important part of it all, this is not baseball. It's not basketball. That's not the way the NFL works. There, aren't, there isn't these huge fire sales. Uh, and, and there aren't teams looking to pick up big-money players uh, in November, early November. That's just not how this sport works. So uh, Howie's mentality, and he, and he likes to be aggressive, uh, he likes to bring in a player. I think he'll try to bring in an Avery type who can help him not only this year but moving forward, but a very cost-effective type player, and are looking most notably at offensive line and linebacker. And, by the way, you know, I, I wrote about this. Uh, on, on Silly Boys and Sports Illustrated, he's not getting the credit, but Alex Singleton has been to the defense with Travis Fulgham has been to the offense, and they should let that kid play.
1: I agree with you. I don't know that i put him on the same level, but I said it two weeks ago I thought he was there. Uh, certainly in the back seven, I thought he was their best player on the field, uh, and he wasn't bad on uh, Thursday night against the Giants either. So, yeah, he actually has uh, upgraded his uh, status on the team at the linebacker position. We'll agree on that one. Um Any chance of running back if Miles Sanders is going to be out more than just two weeks? I know Boston Scott made the play of the game the other day, but the Eagles didn't run the ball all that effectively. Um, If they could get a guy in here in two weeks, is there any running back out there that could be available that you get your hands on for a six or a seven?
2: Well, I, I I would like to bring Jordan Howard back. I mean, Miami's not using him. They have no need for him.
1: Uh, I think he
2: was very effective in this offense last year. People kind of forget he took over the starting job from Miles Sanders. Miles wasn't very effective early in his rookie season. Right, Kind of lost that job to Jordan Howard, who was very effective. And then Jordan got hurt. Miles came back in and took off himself. Uh, and I think that's the type of running back. They need uh, the between-the-tackles runner. They certainly need help at running back. I mean, as well as Boston played uh, against the Giants, the big catch, uh, he had not played well before then. Corey Clement has been even worse. So they certainly need help at running back. Um, and uh, you know, even if it's trying out Elijah Holyfield from the practice squad, they need somebody who can run between the tackles and be a compliment to Miles Sanders. But I do think Miles is going to be back relatively soon. So I don't think it's a major concern, but, yeah, they've needed a running back. And, by the way, Jody, they've known it because they tried to sign Carlos Hyde. And they were going to bring in Devontae Freeman before uh, for a look before Saquon Barkley got hurt. Then he got a better opportunity. So they understand they need an upgrade there.
1: Last thing, um, you were down there for a Sunday afternoon game and then a Thursday night game. What is it feeling like at the link with 6,500, 7,000? It varies depending on uh, whose numbers you believe, but it's certainly under 10,000, and it isn't uh, uh, every seat filled like we're used to Eagle games. Uh, what is it like going to a game? And do you think – I think I asked you this last time I had you on in a uh, a speculatory manner. Do you think it actually has a a positive effect for the hometown team? Is there such a thing as crowd effect in NFL stadiums in 2020?
2: I I, I don't think so. And that's one of the reasons I like Green Bay because – and you see it all over. It's not just Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers is so good at it. And now – uh, he's got those hard counts, and he can go on the road and use them easily. Um, and, and and you know, sixty five hundred is really closer to fifty five hundred because that seventy five hundred cap includes all the TV people, all the media, everybody in the building. Um, it, it, it's it's better. I, I will say that it gives a, a little bit more to the environment when you're there live, but it's certainly not affecting the road team. There, there just is no home field advantage in the NFL other than the travel aspect. I mean, that part of it might be a little bit more difficult, especially if you're going, going cross-country because of all the COVID protocols. But when you get to the stadium, there is no advantage for the home team.
1: John, as always, a uh, great job. Appreciate it. whenever you come on. Check out his podcast, Extending the Play, as good an Eagle podcast as you're going to find. Read him in Philly Voice and si and com. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks, bud. We'll talk again. Hey, thank you, Jody. Appreciate it. And he's got great initials. John McMullen here with us on 94WIP. All right, let's get those phones open. A couple of legal opinions there for both John and myself. Need yours. Your first place. Two, four, and one, Philadelphia Eagles. It's officially Dallas week. Hop on my phone lines. I'll take calls for the remaining hour and 40 minutes of tonight's show. 215-592-9494. I'll get you up here on 94 WIP. Everyone in your house always online at the same time. Power your connected home with fast, reliable, gig speed internet from Xfinity. Go to Xfinity.com. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today.
0: one